Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Hey, church family. Welcome to season five of the Deepen podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. I'm Jonathan Vinke, and I am really excited for what we have in store for you in this season. We're going to be walking through sermon content from our next several series. Uh, we're going to be going through the Next Thing series, the 1010 Life series, a two-week study on the book of Jude, and then we're going to end the year together in our Christmas series called Rescue Mission. We're going to be joined by some special guests, and as we head into this fall and the special things that God has in store for us as a church, I just want to invite you to dive in and dig deep in these conversations that we're praying with you that they're going to help you deepen your relationship with Jesus as we go through this together. Hey guys, welcome back to uh, the Deepen podcast. We're launching into this season and I am pumped. And we just came off an awesome week of Saturated. Anybody excited about that? Super awesome to see what God is doing. Uh, The series that we're in is The Next Thing. And uh, Pastor Adam is joining us because he's preaching this week. And I want to just talk a little bit about the concept of this series. Pastor Joby, it was inspired by, uh, many people saw the, the video in service, but uh, tell us a little bit about, for anybody who missed that, where the, the vision for this come from? So if you're my age and older and did youth group back in the day, you have heard of Jeff Moore and the distance. Home run, baby. Yeah, baby. And he used to like fill up stadiums with Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith and, you know, the greats of contemporary Christian music. Yeah. Anyway, he still plays music, and uh, he also has an outfitting business where he takes people hunting, like basically all just pastors and Christians. Mm -hmm. And I got to know him probably 10 or 12 years ago through Compassion International, went on these hunting trips with him and a bunch of pastors, and then I started taking guys on these men's discipleship retreats with him. And uh, we share testimony around the table, eat, pray for one another, that kind of thing. And one of the nights, it's like a little campfire night with a bunch of grown men, and he gets his guitar player and plays a couple songs. And one of his newer songs is called The Next Thing. And pretty much everybody going on these trips with me are like middle-aged, middle-aged crisis kind of dudes, right? Like, what what is the rest of my life going to be like? And I've just seen this song and the idea of what does God have for me next and how do I get there and what do I do just like, tear these guys down in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's oftentimes there's not a dry eye in the place, particularly for the like 50, 60 year old that is figuring out what's the next season in my life. Or sometimes I'll take a young guy with me who's like just beginning to his career or whatever. And all of us are asking that question. Like what's, what, what's God's will for my life? What's next for me? Am I in God's will for my life? And mm-hmm. I just thought this song captured it, and not only did it capture it, but but it's like straight from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like there's a section on Job, there's a section on Moses, there's a section on Jesus in the garden. Mm-hmm. And I thought, we could teach that. And so mm-hmm. it became a teaching series for us. That's awesome. One of, the, one of the lyrics in there, I think it's the opening verse, he talks about wisdom. He used to think wisdom was knowing the future. And kind of the world's vision of who's a wise person is somebody who can make those predictions for the future. But I think the Bible paints a different vision for wisdom. So how would you guys differentiate between kind of a, oh, I, 
I can anticipate the market or I have my life all figured out before I even start, that kind of illusion of wisdom and having it all together versus what the Bible actually teaches us. Yeah, I mean, I think wisdom, I mean, there's knowledge and there's wisdom, right? So you can know a bunch and not know how to apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. And I think wisdom is the living out of what God has revealed in his scripture for Mm -hmm. us. And so if we're doing that, I don't, I don't need to try to predict the future. I just need to stick with the one that holds the future. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need to get into like pagan divination and try to figure out what, you know, predict what's gonna happen next. God's got it. Mm-hmm. So the wisest thing is stick with him. Yeah, and this is a, just a song that my buddy wrote. So it's not like uh, on par with scripture whatsoever, right, right, right. but it, one of the lines from the song is really good. It says, wisdom is trusting God and doing the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, what I think happens, the reason I think this song was so power, powerful is for people that are stuck. Like, I, I just feel like I'm stuck in my life. I don't, I don't know what to do next. People that are overwhelmed. Mm. Like, you know, we, we preach on, on poverty around the world and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. We'll just trust God and do the next thing. People that are lost, you know, they bought into the American dream mm-hmm. and they've been on the merry-go-round of normality and they're like, how do I get off? People that are bored with their life, like, is this it? Mm-hmm. You know? And they're like, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And, and like you're saying, we think the wisest people can know how it all, all the tapestry comes together in the end. And when he's saying, the Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. And, and you only, you know, you've heard the analogy of like the, it's like the headlights on your car. You can't see around the next corner, but you're not responsible for that. You are just you can just see as far as God lets you see. And then by faith, you just take a step and a step and a step. And that's wisdom is trusting mm-hmm. God, doing the next thing. Might be easy, might be hard, mm-hmm. might be huge, might not be a big deal. Mm. Now, Pastor Britt, I mean, y'all know this, but everybody who's listening might not know this. You live in the future. Like your your mind works living. I don't know, two, three, four, five years ahead of most of us, which is why we all feel behind you most of the time. Uh, how do you handle that tension of thinking? I mean, you're a very strategic forward thinker, uh, but then doing the thing that's right in front of you. How, you, how do you manage that tension? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Not very well. I just sit with my wife and, uh, you know, your question on what is, what is wisdom in the Proverbs are the the wisdom literature, right? And so one of the early verses in Pro- Proverbs is um, to, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to, restri- to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity. He goes on to list these, list these things. If you want to do all these things, which I would put all in the category of growing in wisdom, he says, uh, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's one, keeping your ear, keeping your ears open and not your mind closed mm-hmm. is so much of wisdom. You know what I mean? Because when you do think out beyond today, you can easily predetermine an outcome. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can actually outrun the Lord, but you can certainly like in your mind try to try to get out in front of what God's doing and miss him in the process. And so it's like keeping your ears open to the interruptions and to the 
mm-hmm. not be so laser focused on a destination in the natural, right? The, the ultimate destination is the glory of God, as we'll talk about in disciple making. So, um, and then just guidance, you know, like be, be obtaining guidance along the way um, from trusted counsel. And, and so a lot of that is, and surrounding yourself with people, for me, it's, I just have to surround myself. I get to, it's probably a better way to say it, surround myself with people who, who are different than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I married somebody like that. My wife's mm-hmm. fantastic, but she is not thinking, mm-hmm. she, she can. It's just not her natural instinct to think two, three, mm-hmm. two weeks, two years, three, you know. So in the early days, that was a real like point of friction for us because she'd be mm-hmm. like, where are you? And I'd, well, I'm, I'm actually like four years down the road right now, mm-hmm. just sitting here thinking, mm-hmm. like, yep. she, so why? So anyway, the hearing, not being close-minded, obtaining guidance mm-hmm. from many voices. I think those are the ways that wisdom grows. <clears throat> so the phrase you said, like, getting out ahead of the Lord, I know what you mean. You can't. Psalm 139 says you can't. Like, he goes before you. But um, I think a way to say that, it, with a lot of us have a tendency to do this. I, in my own understanding, am just going to do a thing and then ask God to come and bless the thing that I decided I'm going to do. Right. That's what that phrase means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is different than John chapter 10, hear the voice of the shepherd and do what he mm-hmm. tells you to do. Mm-hmm. These are not the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of those, I mean, two uh, Old Testament examples, Joseph, who had a gift from God to interpret dreams and got ahead of it in a way by kind of bragging about it and then uh, <laughs> kind of got him in some trouble, right? And then... <laughs> kind of. I think we should move the word kind of from any... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Abraham. Discussions. Abraham obviously, you know, had that promise from God to have a child, and then said, "I'll get out ahead of you a little bit." Those are two extremes. That's there, pretty bro. extreme. Yeah. So, um, but with what you were saying about like do what He tells you to do, right? Y- yes, Amen. But where the rubber hits the road is okay. So there's Jesus two thousand years ago with His disciples, or you know, you've talked a lot. We said this in the message, talked a lot about the wedding at Cana and the mom, Jesus' mom says, well, do whatever he tells you to do. And that's great, but he's there. Now here we are 2000 years later and we faithfully, I mean, as a follower of Jesus, you're going, okay, that's what it means. I want to do what he says, but how do I do that when he's not right here next to me to say, fill up the jug of water or walk with me or whatever that is. And I think that's what this, this is touching on because we've, all been there, whether it's a job, school, marriage, money, whatever those things are, we're wanting to do the thing the Lord has for us next. Mm-hmm. The big question is, so, so how do I, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Like I want to. So how do you do? Help that? me. Well, that's what we're talking about in the <laughs> message. <laughs> um, well, let's get into that a little bit. The message and. Um, I thought of this quote as I was listening. I think it's Martin Lloyd-Jones who says, too many Christians listen to themselves instead of preaching to themselves. And one of the things you bring up, uh, one of the things you bring up is sometimes we're not aware of the voices that we're listening to. You know, yeah. there's many, many different sources that can kind of plant seeds in our minds and cause us to make decisions. And it's actually kind of a scary thought how much of creatures of habit we are and how much we're influenced by different things, you know, we're, we're watching or, or doing. Um, but how, how do you guys discern where a motivation is coming from, whether or not it's healthy or not. Because you talked about recognizing sin, your upbringing, the culture around you versus the spirits leading. You know, maybe talk a little bit about what you touch on there. Yeah, I think, you know, in 1 John chapter 4, John says, 
test the spirits because not every spirit comes from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, he wouldn't have said that if there were spirits that weren't from the Lord that looked like the spirit of the Lord. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. every spirit was obviously not from the Lord, you wouldn't have to test anything. Mm-hmm. And so you're not putting the Lord to the test. What you're actually doing is testing to see, is this God so that I can faithfully follow the Lord? Those things are two, they're really different, right? Testing God and then putting spirits to the test. Yeah. Um, but sure, so I mean, the obvious one is scripture. Like, how do I, you know, listen, if the Bible says it, I don't need to pray about it. <laughs> it prohibits right. it. Right. I don't need just obedience and faithfulness in that. I think other Christians that just love us, love the Lord, know us, the humility to be like, hey, Britt, will you, I'm thinking about this. What do you see before I make this decision? I think a lot of times we just try to announce our decision and then get somebody to like confirm it mm-hmm. instead of submit it. I mean, that's the beauty of having a church and a community and elders and a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the game I play in my mind. I think I've told you about this before. All right, so I am standing in line at Walmart and I just have this thought that pops in my mind. So where's the thought come from, right? The only options are the Lord, me, or the devil, right? And there's really like three categories of the devil. It could be, it could be the society, an actual demon, or my flesh. But, you know, so it's either good or bad, and then I just think through standing before the great white throne judgment one day and giving an account for the thought that I have, particularly if the thought seems to be a thing that God may say. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, this, this is a fact. I'm standing in Walmart one time and God's like, pray for that lady. She's like, got kids, are going crazy. It's just, she's just lost it on the teller lady. And then my thought is, here's how I'm trying to discern the will of God. Okay, is that me? Is that him? Is that me? Is that, okay. If I'm standing before him one day (laughs) and he goes, hey man, you remember you prayed for that lady in Walmart? That wasn't me. That was you. Uh, Okay. Right. (laughs) Yes. All right. My bad. But what I don't want to do is, why you know I told you to pray for that lady. (laughs) Why didn't you? I'd be like, so thought it was me. that's what I do, yeah. man. I run it through the filter is if I literally was standing before the throne of God, giving an account mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. how would I want that to go? Mm-hmm. It, it really helps yeah. me because, I mean, we can for sure be like, I got an idea that makes me look good and you know it. And if you're, if you're like rationalizing with yourself, you're always going to win. Mm-hmm. That, it's like a mental game I play that seems to bring me some clarity on those like gray areas yeah. of is this me, is this God? Mm-hmm. It's like Timmy said on night one of Saturated, uh, we should do the things that we're going to be talking about in heaven. Oh, yeah, that was good. Really, really good. Yeah, uh, I think I mean, on that too, you know, pray, we always talk, well, I pray about it. I pray about it. And I think oftentimes what we mean is I told God I had some thoughts on it real quick and then I moved on. But I think if you think of prayer in terms of abiding with Christ, like have you abided with Jesus? And the, the image always comes to my mind is, so in our house, our bedroom's on one side of the house and the kids are on the other side of the house and we have hardwood floors. We've lived in our house for 18 years. If I'm in my bedroom and I hear footsteps coming down the hallway, I know exactly who's walking down the hallway. You know what I mean? It's like Kristen, Gavin, Sophie, or the dog. I can tell you who's <laughs> <laughs> coming. And it's because we've abided with each other yeah. for 20 something years, you know? And it's like, there's the, have you abided with Christ long enough where it, you, just, you that sounds like Jesus. That like passes the sniff test. You know, 
And that's where it's important to be in a community disciple group or things like that, where you're just spending time yeah. to know whether it's at. When I think about uh, what is God's will for my life, that question, that sort of burning question, it, it makes me think of maybe myself as a younger person to think when you're in high school or college, that's particularly a, a big question for you. Uh, did you deal with that a lot in your student ministry days of just kids being like, I just want to know what God's will for my life is? I just answered it. The Bible says that his will for your life is that you believe in Jesus and then the believers take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. That is God's will for your life. Right. Now, you figuring out your particular place in his will for your life, yeah, man, go for it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where he's given us, right. I think, that shape yeah. inventory that we've talked about before helps, like spiritual yeah. gifts and personalities yeah. and abilities and those kind of things. But um, it's a cheesy old preacher thing, but it's like the the old sailboat analogy. If you just wait at the dock, you, you're never going to figure out where to go. You, mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to like open up the sails and let the winds catch them and go. Mm-hmm. And it's as you are on the go mm-hmm. that that will become clear to you. I never in a million years, even 15 years ago, would have thought that I would be a lead pastor, church planner, doing the things mm-hmm. I'm doing now. And I was already in the ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I had this thing mapped out. This was not my vocational strategic plan to go from youth ministry and all that. I was just right. making disciples, and then, and then through the Spirit of God and through Pastor Jerry Sweat, um, I felt like God was calling me to put together a team to plant a church. Mm-hmm. You're just doing the next thing. I, <laughs> don't, 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 don't. <laughs> it's interesting yes. on the God's will for your life, like certainly— in addition to, or it's actually as you are doing what you just said, which is making disciples that make disciples, fulfilling the Great Commission, these things that are the mandate of the church, which is all of us. Who you are, I feel like God's will for for that, like who you're becoming mm-hmm. in the process of doing these things is way more in alignment with God's heart than the like what your profession is or what your yeah. you know what I mean like who you're becoming and so it's fascinating just this year we may have talked about this on the podcast before I can't remember so forgive me if that's the case but first Thessalonians 5 it says that Paul writes this he says we urge your brothers admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with them all See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. And then verse 16, he says this, rejoice always, verse 17, pray without ceasing, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. And this is what he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm-hmm. So people say, what's God's will for my life? You rejoice always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. That's an inside-out thing. That is an an interior man being transformed into the likeness of Jesus spilling out your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's, I think we could spend way more time on who we're becoming in Christ Jesus than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And that if if we're cognizant and partnering with the Spirit of God in the who, Mm -hmm. the what just takes care of itself. Right. So it just takes care of itself. And that said, not to say you're not going to bump into apathy, you're not going to bump into complacency. And in those points, get off the dock, man. Mm-hmm. But generally, 
you're not necessarily like, I don't know about you, but I don't find myself on the dock many times. I'm in the boat, like doing the thing. But while I'm doing the thing, sometimes what's coming out is like begrudging submission or dutiful discontent, or does that make sense? Yeah. Versus rejoicing always. And so the character of the inside man or person, yeah. you know, that. So I, I always found that he, he just writes the words. This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. The way I love that because the way I the way I think about it is so the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five twenty two the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control so if you think about it the spirit's never going to lead you in a direction apart from the fruit he will produce in you right so that so to your point who that's who he's creating you to be a loving person a peaceful person a joyful person. And so what's God's will for my life? Like if you got to act unloving, it's pretty pretty clear that's not where God is leading you because who he's creating you to be and the, the fruit he wants to produce in you. So I think that's a really, yeah, who you are, not just what you do. I think it was Dallas Willard who said something to that effect. I think it's Renovation of the Heart where he's talking about God cares about who you're becoming. And he references that, that, passage when Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And he, he says the, the nuance there of that meaning is not like you lost it like you lost your wallet. It would be like it faded away into something that what it wasn't supposed to be. You know, So he kind of pulls a nuance of that word there uh, to mean that God cares. He wants your, your soul to become something, to become the thing that he's made it to be, the identity that, it, that yeah. he's made it to be. Uh, Pastor Adam, you talk about in the sermon— um, the danger of being too attached to the will of God, like almost like the hand of God is what I thought of instead of the person of God. I mean, yeah. talk a little bit more about that and how, how that's dangerous for us. Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple things. One is you can become so me-centered in that, that God is basically just a tool for you to manipulate to get the way you want it to go. So, mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about being God-centered versus man-centered. That, if you're so fo- focused on the will of God, you're just using God. You're not actually loving him, worshiping him, submitting to him. And it turns into a form of idolatry, Right. honestly. it's And I care more about the things you'll give me than I actually care about you. And if we applied that to any relationship in our life, like if I looked at Kristen and was like, you're just useful to me, you're not actually enjoyable to me and loving in our relationship. Like, what? Mm-hmm. No way. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's terrible at best, cruel at worst mm-hmm. and abusive. Right. Yeah, God's, God's will is a means to an end and the end being the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this a lot because we work with a lot of church planners yeah. and, and you'll hear like, God's got a call and a vision on my life. And the my life part of all the rest of the discussion is the only thing that gets right, talked the about. Part. Versus lost people getting saved, the gospel getting preached, right. preached, poor people being served. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Right. It's all about like, here are the things that I have that I can do that I want to do. And that, um, and, and I think we hear it in church planners because we make them like write this thing down on right. a piece of paper about what they think. Yeah. Their planes are. I'm 
promise, I bet if we did it with all of our folks at church too, regardless of what your business is or what you do, mm-hmm. we would all be very, very susceptible to fall into that thing like Adam's talking about where God's will for your life becomes preeminent instead of the glory of God being preeminent and then, you know, penultimate to that would be God's will, which leads you to God's glory. Mm-hmm. That's very important to keep in mind. It's real easy to slip into blurring the American, North American dream, dominant narrative into Christianity when, honestly, in the New Testament, historically Orthodox Christianity, it is it is a challenge to understand, to really understand the teachings of Jesus and the epistles and the way of life in our in our current context and culture. Does that make sense? And so it's like what they were after, it seems, and what the New Testament is after is that you are happy in God, that your happiness is God. Mm-hmm. Not that you are in relationship to God that, trying to get happy. Mm-hmm. Or that God gives you... Or, or that God is a means by which you can also yeah. have he, happy. He himself is the prize. That's it. He's not the means to the prize. Like heaven isn't our prize. Mm, if God's sure. it, the reason heaven is awesome, or the new heaven and the new earth is going to be great, is because Jesus is there. Right. Yeah. God take him God, out of that, and he. I think Piper wrote a book called "God Is the Gospel." Mm-hmm. He is the good news. Right. And um, and so I've always I always find that that distinction very helpful in regards to like, I want God first and most. Mm -hmm. And anywhere I don't want him first and most, I want to get aligned around wanting him first and most. And anywhere I would look at God and what I want is things out of God Mm -hmm. instead of like himself, Mm -hmm. then who's actually God in that scenario? You tracking? Yeah. Like if God's here, not to say he doesn't meet our needs, but y'all get what I'm, y'all get the, yeah, what I'm pointing at here is the, totally. you, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you and I are in a Bible study together and earlier we were looking at Philippians three. This is where Paul gives like the list of his religious accomplishments. And uh, we were talking about how before he starts it, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Then at the end of it, he is going to pray that he may share in the sufferings of Christ, becoming like him in his death. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what you see is in the middle, he gives this list of like religious accomplishments, which would be the kind of Western way of thinking about it. Here's all the things I'm going to do for God. And then he says, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Mm-hmm. So everything that he has ever had in his life, good or bad, is less than what is surpassing that, which is, I know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is ultimate. Mm. And that's how he rejoices. So that's how you reconcile the suffering with the rejoicing because of the surpassing knowledge of Christ. Mm. It is for sure the water we swim in, though. You know, the self-actualizing snowflake and butterfly thing that you talk about a lot. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard for them to reconcile the fact that, hey, God made me, 
unique, and I'm a partic- I have a particular part to play in the body, and yet it's not about me. You know, that, that's a paradox that, that can be hard to live out. Yeah. Uh, one of the other parts I love, Pastor Adam, about what you preached on is those two ways that people can discern what God is, is doing. And yeah. it was convicting to me because how many times have I said, I just think this is what God's leading me to because of those two. What, tell us again, what are those two things and, and why are they too, too limited? Yeah, I, I think there's two, I hear it all the time. And this is part of why, like I, I ran down the road of like all the doctoral studies that I did because as a pastor, you want people to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you want them to listen to the voice of the spirit and in that you just don't want them to abuse it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and take the Lord's name in vain. And so the two, the two are, there's sort of the open and closed door. And then I feel at peace. And, the, and it's not that God doesn't open or close doors mm-hmm. or that God doesn't give you a peaceful, easy feeling every once in a while. It's just, those aren't the definitive markers of whether God is doing something right. or not. So like, if you take the open door, for example, we talked a little bit about this, like not every open door is an invitation for us to walk through. Mm-hmm. Again, the, it's a temptation. So first, <laughs> like you have a computer screen and a virus on your computer and an internet pornography window pops up. That's available to you. Mm-hmm. So the literally a window opens up. Are you supposed to then say, well, then that's God's leading? Mm-hmm. No, right. no way. Like, so availability. And then on the flip side, just because a door closes to you. I mean, you think of the story of the guys that get his buddy that's the paralytic and they're trying to get into Jesus. There's so many people in the room, they can't get in the door. It's proverbially closed, right? So they don't just walk away and go, well, it must not be God's will that we don't bring him to Jesus so he can get healed. They're like, no. They go up on the roof and rip the roof off and lower him down. And then the other one, the you know, the peaceful, easy feeling, you hear it all the time. Like, I just, I feel at peace. I feel at peace. And it's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you can also be squarely in the will of God and not feel at peace. See Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood. And he was Mm -hmm. squarely in the will. He was doing exactly what the father wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. So, Peace is really a right standing with God, not so much an emotion. It's secondarily an emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I think those things are valid. You just have to be careful as using them as the litmus test. Right. Because we'll, we'll just slip into feeding our own comfort or, mm-hmm. you know. It's like you said a lot, Pastor Joby, in this year that we've been in a year of worship. And we talk about, most people associate worship with singing. And you say, well, worship definitely singing is worship. It should be, it should include singing, but it's gonna be, that shouldn't be the limited definition of what it is. And maybe it's a similar thing with peace or open doors. Like they can be, but that can't be the end of your definition. I mean, I think of two biblical examples. Paul writes that the the spirit closed the door to go to Macedonia. Macedonia. Yeah. Okay, and so that's probably where some people pulled that from. Or- And he actually closes the door twice. It's not once. And he's wanting- And redirects him. You know. Yeah. And then uh, you could say that when Stephen was being stoned, he looked up to heaven and his eyes were, he was at peace because he knew what was, you know. So it's not that those things are completely off base, but like to your point, they can't be all that we use to uh, evaluate. I think a better way to think 
or to to rightly describe that I've got a piece about this because when J- when Pastor Jerry told me, he's yeah. like, I think you should plan a church. And then he goes, I have a piece about this. I literally said, well, that's neat because I just threw up in my mouth a little. So right. it's cool how the spirit manifests himself and does differently. Okay. <laughs> it's more like a, um, this might be hard because if peace means comfort and comfortable, that is really scary. Right. Mm. If peace means I am settled in my spirit that this is what God is calling me mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. That's de- and it and it may be very very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I don't feel any comfort here. The only comfort I feel is I think I'm following in the steps mm-hmm. of the shepherd. Yeah. And so settled for me, my word would be, mm. I've like I've I've been praying through this. I've been seeking wise counsel. It's in line, generally speaking, at least with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I've resolved or settled that this is the direction I go. In that sense the word peace is almost like the word joy. Like joy, sometimes we think happiness or emotional feeling, but really it's a inner sense of I'm, I'm settled or satisfied, like Piper would say satisfied. It is well. Um, well and then you, peace it, is kind of the same thing. If you think, I mean, the, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Mm, yeah. And shalom had little to nothing to do with an emotion. Mm. It had to do with not being at war. And we are by nature children of wrath at war with God. God isn't just morally neutral to us apart from Christ. My sin puts me in opposition to him. Mm. And so shalom isn't just that me and the God and me have like a really good, fun, we're buddies and I feel at peace about it. It's that we're not at war anymore. Mm. Things are right between us. And so what you're talking about that settled is like, this is right Mm -hmm. between me and the Lord whether I feel an emotion one way or the other, it's just a bonus if I get to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather be right with God and be throwing up a little bit in my mouth right. than not right with God and comfortable. Right. Well, maybe let's take a step back for just a second. And Pastor Britt, I'll ask you this question. So the glory of God is a... Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. Let's get into it. It's one of those phrases that if you're around 1122, you hear a lot, praise God. But maybe there's some folks out there that have a hard time grasping, what is it? What are we really talking about? We're talking about the glory of God. So unpack it a little bit because if we're talking about we should be doing things for the glory of God, that needs some handles. Great question. And we're gonna spend many minutes on this, I'm sure. The there is a right there is a rightness in the response of that just that those words the glory of God glory the word glory means weight mm-hmm. so what we're saying is the weightiness of God mm-hmm. all that is God in reality which is far beyond my finite ability to comprehend there is a mystery to it to a point. And it's bigger and more beautiful and all all those things. I have many working definitions of glory, of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Piper, I believe it was Piper that said the the glory of God is God's manifest holiness on display Mm -hmm. to be seen and believed. Mm -hmm. And I I can get there real quick. And so when you think about holiness, when we say God is holy, 
we understand what the Bible teaches us about holiness in regards to perfection and blameless and purity and justice and all, all the, the, the Bible words give us and translated into English that we can get our head around. Mm-hmm. But we don't really understand the weightiness of what the, the phrase is, God is holy. He is completely other. Mm-hmm. His character is perfect. He is perfectly love, perfectly just, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's perfectly grace, perfectly truth, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so these are big. This is the, He's very, very big. Also, Hebrews 1 tells us that he, Jesus, is the radiance of God, that he is God's glory on display. And so I could read the, we could actually read the scriptures. I'm going to quote them wrong. But he ultimately says that Jesus is the manifest holiness of God incarnate. And so while God's glory is a big, weighty, massive, mysterious thing, he, he made it very available to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so while it is out there, it, it is also, it has come near mm-hmm. in and through Jesus. And so Jesus is not just, this is the fully God, fully Man thing. What is it when we say fully God? What do we mean? Mm-hmm. Well, all that is God's character and nature and weight is Jesus. Like He's not half God; He's fully God. Mm-hmm. So, what is the glory of God? It's His manifest holiness on display, mm-hmm. and the the greatest picture on display greater than creation, greater than the stars and the moon, greater than the roaring of the oceans, all of which are screaming out, he is glorious, Mm -hmm. is the person of Jesus Christ. That is where we see the fullness of God's glory in order for us to see and believe. So I could keep going, but I'm going to stop. It's only probably my favorite thing. But if you you take that, what what that means then is that there is nothing greater than the glory of God. Nothing. It is the greatest thing. And if it is the greatest thing, then it means it is the thing that God is about. Because you don't want God to be about anything less than the greatest perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not self-centered in the way we think or selfish or any of those sorts of things. It is the most loving, kind, generous, good thing for us that God is about his glory and his fame and his renown. And so that's sort of where we're going in the message that, that if that is the glory of God and it is the greatest thing and that is what God is always aiming at, then what's my next thing? Well, my next thing should just be whatever the thing God is about and God's about his glory. Mm-hmm. So my next thing should just be whatever the thing is that glorifies God and points at the glory of God the most. And... In- Edwards originally wrote this and Piper has taken and adapted it many yeah. times that that God's glory and our joy are not two separate things. No. That they are in fact one thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be about God's glory is for me to have joy 
that yep. can only come from yeah. God. The kind of joy that I'm actually after, right. the only way that I can have that mm. is for me to be about God's glory. And to find all my joy in Christ is the most God glorifying thing. So for it's, sure. I mean, these things are all, and God's goodness are all feeding one another. Like what grace that he would do that to Yeah, us. sometimes people will ask about the, all right, man, okay, so all this glory talk's cool, but, you know, my marriage is struggling. I got a kid that's addicted to something, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. How, what does that have to do with this right now? And one of the things that has helped me, which I think it's Piper, some of those kind of guys, they talk about the glory of God in your own life. Life is like the ballast of a ship, mm-hmm. it's the, which means weight. It's a heavy weight in the bottom of the hull of the ship that keeps it in its right place in rough seas mm-hmm. so the rough seas don't cast it about. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, you load it up, that thing will just get knocked over. If you don't have that, you can't go in the direction you want to go because the wave will just, or the wind will send it where it doesn't want to go. Mm -hmm. And it is that weightiness at the bottom of the ship. So the practicality of the glory of God in your life, Mm -hmm. in your marriage is, what is the next thing? Husband, your next thing is to love her like Christ loved the church. Mm -hmm. Well, how far do I go? gave himself up for her. Mm-hmm. But what if it's not my fault? Wasn't his fault. Like that's the next yeah. thing, mm-hmm. you know? Wife, what's the next thing? Buckle up for this one. It is to submit to your own husband. Well, how far do I go? As unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's how far you go. Mm-hmm. It's those kind of things. Um, dad, what's the next thing with your kid for the glory of God? Don't exasperate your children, but train them up in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. That's one little step at a time. And that's where, and this is all to you, what you were saying. And all of that is for the glory of God. I think, I think sometimes some people at our church can look at the four of us and be like, when we're preaching and you're singing, now that's a for the glory of God kind of activity. But what about me in my life? Well, we also have the same life everybody else has at right. home, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But it is, what does, uh, how do I glorify God? Not when my strategic life plan all comes together in the end, but the, what's the next thing I can do at home, at work, mm-hmm. in the biggest struggle of your life, when things are going great? And that, that very thing, trying to take that, that step of obedience over a long period of time for the glory of God is like the weightiest thing in the boat of our life. And then regardless of the circumstances around it, we won't be tossed to and fro like James says by our doubts, but we'll be held fast by him. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The times that I've made it about me, thinking that was gonna bring me the most joy has brought me the most anxiety, the most stress, the most worry, the most... The, the things I've enjoyed the least in my life. And so we think somehow if I make it about God and not about me, he's gonna like suck the joy out of this thing. Mm. And it's the exact opposite. It's been the times where I've made it the most about God and the least about me have been the most freeing. Mm. Like in very, and I've done it, I've done it in all kinds, you know, it's subtle. You can do it, it pastoring. You know, and you can subtly make it about you. And so. For people who may be listening that like to deep dive into some of this, the the phrase for the last few hundred years, maybe longer than that, that the kind of the, the blanket under which we're talking about 
your life being radically and intentionally centered on the glory of God as the weight, like, and that everything revolves around that. It's called Christian hedonism. Yeah. And you can read for days and days about Christian hedonism and, and get ahead. But one of the best examples that you've given in sermons and Pastor Adam, what I, I feel like you're getting at is like drink, and I've heard other pastors too, but eating a steak unto the glory of God. Amen. And drinking orange juice unto the glory of God. And what we think are seemingly mundane, ordinary, that those things are, can and are given to us in order for us to do them unto the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And that's not some like monastic seance before I have my sip of orange juice whereby I'm praising the heavenly father for his his blessed giveth of the pulpit in the juiceth. You know what I mean? Like, it's not some weird, whacked out thing. It's like, that, that is what we're talking about. And so, talk to me a little bit about, the, you've preached that many times about the steak's yeah, just better. Yeah, it's better because then the, the, like we all worship something, and if you eat a good steak and enjoy it, you are worshiping. But for the believer, our worship doesn't terminate on the temporary thing. And like, what kind of God would create us with the taste buds, the way they work in different parts of your mouth and that the spices and we live in a time where you could get that you can get that cooktop so hot that you cook it medium rare just as Jesus would have us because it's a declaration of the freedom that we have in the blood of Christ and you rarely eat a steak like that by yourself like if you would just take a second you know I mean heck even if we shift gears this moment right here I mean how cool is this man we got brothers that we love We've got, because of the gift of the technology that God has given us as a people and his common grace, there are people not only listening and or watching all over the place in geography, but also all over time Mm -hmm. right now. If you would have tried to describe what is happening right this second, what we are currently involved in, to Jonathan Edwards, he'd be like, what is this miraculous, God-glorifying thing you speak of? Mm-hmm. And we would say, it's called a podcast. It's right. unbelievable. Right. And that we love each other. We like this. We get to do it, sitting in the air condition in our church. I have a coffee cup that keeps my coffee warm. Praise God for that. <laughs> and sometimes you just, whether it's a steak or this thing, sometimes you just got to hit pause. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about the glory of God, my my mind always goes to the stars. I don't know why it does. Mm. My mind immediately goes to the stars because when I, I get to see a lot of stars from being in the woods all the time. And when I see that, it, I feel the bigness of God and I feel the minuteness of me kind of like at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so that same God has orchestrated all of these things because he loves us and he wants mm. us to enjoy him by in knowing his glory. Yeah. And so that's what you're mm. talking about. It makes me think of how much of an enemy busyness and worry really is because you can't, you can't think those kind of thoughts when you're rushed and busy and worried. You know, so the talking about peace yeah. earlier, when you have peace, you really can take a step back and say, what a great moment this is that we're living in right now. Well, you know, to be grateful. C.S. Lewis, echoing Jesus, has this great thing where he talks about first things and second things. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you got first things and second things, if you make second things, first things, you never get the first thing or the second thing. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, if you make the glory of God 
the thing and not my glory the thing, you end up getting the glory of God and your joy. That's right. Mm-hmm. You get them both. If you flip it around and aim at your own glory, you get neither your own glory nor God's glory nor your joy. You miss it all out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the goodness of God is that when he puts it in that order, you end up getting all the things, you know, not can't, cotton candy and prizes like you talk about, but in his goodness, he gives you all the joy you ever wanted. But what Paul's talking about in Philippians 3 is, and even when we suffer, <laughs> we get to experience him because we get to walk in a glory that is just different because we become like him. It changes everything. Yeah. One of the things before we get to our last question, I want to just point out is that we have this resource called Halftime that we're featuring during this series. It's based on a book by Bob Buford that if folks are listening, they can text Halftime to 44-1122. And it's a study that's going to guide guide them through, hey, kind of breaks up your life into three points, your first half, your halftime, and your second half. And uh, it really can put some practical tools into people's hands uh, to help make the most of no matter where you are in your life. Um, anything else y'all add about that that series or that study? I would read it way before you get to the halftime point. Yeah. You know, <laughs> for sure. So that you could be prepared for the second half. Yeah. Before you even start the first half. Like, honestly, if you were a college kid, I mean, part of the premise of the book is most of us chase after success for mm-hmm. first half of our life. And then there is a way to leverage it for significance. Mm-hmm. Well, if you knew that before you ever started the game, right. it goes way better than you got to readjust everything at halftime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's three books I recommend to to men regularly. Uh, one is Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Mm-hmm. Two, anybody that's hovering around 30 years old and up, Halftime by Bob Buford. And then Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent Hughes. Mm-hmm. And those those three books are, I mean, they, both, all of these were written more than 20 years ago. Had to be. And uh, so they've, at least stood the test of some time mm-hmm. in regards to the proven faithfulness of them and the fruit that they, and so I think it's cool that we get to offer these th- offer these kind of opportunities for people to step into, mm-hmm. and um, it doesn't matter whether you're in a group, not in a group, whether you're, you should you should do halftime, mm-hmm. and it make a big difference. Yeah. Well, Pastor Adam, you referenced this in your message, and I know that there's more, a lot more to it because. In your doctoral work, you have a whole project using the uh, acrostic of the word gospel to sort of determine God's will and make decisions. So uh, just touch a little bit on on the G part of that, the glory of God, and anything else you might have not had time for. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a loaded question. Yeah. That's a simple but loaded question. <laughs> just real quick. Yeah, just real quick. Doctoral Unpack dissertation. That. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we, we talked about this. That question, who's this really about? Mm-hmm. That's not an easy question, but I think that is, if you can stop in the moment of making a decision and go, okay, am I making this decision because I'm making it about me or I'm making it about God? Mm -hmm. Like, am I taking this job because I want this thing or because I think this is what will shine the most glory on God? Mm -hmm. You know, so who's, and I don't think that's like a quick prayer, five minute thing. I mean, you might, that's like digging around deep right. in your soul. Like you might need to go see a counselor about that thing and how wrapped mm-hmm. up am I in me and all of that. But I found like that question can help be a North Star. 
Because if the glory of God is the greatest thing, then, then I need to stop and ask, am I making this decision or my life about that greatest thing? Mm-hmm. Or am I putting myself there? Yeah. So, and real quick, what are the other ones? God's glory. Other, other Christians, scripture, prayer, evangelism. He said, go make disciples. So if you ain't gonna make disciples, you're not in the will of God. And then a lifestyle. We, you know, we talked about fruit of the spirit and love, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So awesome. Well, this has been great, guys. Pastor Adam, would you pray for our church unless you have anything else yeah. to add you want to add? You know? No, I just, we touched on this, but I, I think we'd be missed if we didn't close up with saying, I think a bunch of us have fear, regret that we've somehow messed up or missed mm. the will of God. Or mm. there's a lot of fear of like, what if? Like, what if I can't figure it out? And part of what I loved about Jeff's song in there, and I think he was so right to take this angle is, if you don't know what to do, God still knows what to do. Mm -hmm. God is faithful, God is trustworthy, he's sovereign, he's got it, and you can trust him. He died and was resurrected. All of his promises are yes in Jesus. Mm. And so this is not ultimately on us. God is faithful and God is good. And I think that should just help us take a deep breath and, and enjoy it. Mm. And he's good. So, Go ahead and pray. yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, it is the desire of our heart that our lives would be about your fame and your renown. Lord, I, I thank you for the time that we get to talk about these things, think about these things, and that you are good and faithful and you go before us and lead us. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.